Hi, welcome to The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast. We're presented with the support of Medical Mutual. I'm your host, Dan Paletta. Glad you can join us. It's been a busy time around the Ohio State House as the legislature is finishing up the state's budget bill, which is soon on, on its way to Governor DeWine. Lieutenant Governor, we've also been working on getting the state back up and functioning as we try to work our way out of COVID. And here to talk about all of those things that have been happening around the state house the last few weeks and months is our Lieutenant Governor, John Houston. Lieutenant Governor, thanks for joining us today. Uh, happy to be with you. So let's start we'll talk about jobs for a moment. You're the director of the Governor's Office of Workforce Transformation. You've really been working on this workforce development for our state. Your mission is to close the skills gap and get more people into jobs that the businesses in Ohio need. So how's that effort going? Well, it's going great. I mean, look, look. let's face it. We have the problem right now that the economy is growing a lot faster than we expected it to, uh, particularly in Ohio. Uh, we're creating jobs at a faster pace than we're, we're uh, creating the talent to take them right now um, for a variety of reasons. I mean, uh, first of all, we're finding that some people are just removing themselves from the, the job market, that they're either retiring or or deciding that uh, they don't want to go back to in-person work, and so that's a strain. We've had we've had issues regarding the the bonuses that the federal government was paying uh, in Ohio. We're eliminating some of those bonuses, the the three hundred extra dollars a week, which were incentives for people not to go back to work. So there's some there's some natural and man-made headwinds uh, for for the the work environment, but. As far as the things that we can do, look, we we we're, we have uh, robust efforts for more job training um, going on with TechCred and IMAP to upskill and reskill people. Uh, we're helping more high schools graduate students with industry recognized credentials. There's a push for more STEM skills in our colleges and universities, which is working through things like the Choose Ohio for Scholarship. There's the Ohio Works Program through Jobs Ohio that is uh, bringing the private sector and public sector resources together to help um, people move off of public assistance or or even, even transition industry sectors, which is working very well. Uh, there are a, a number uh, of, of initiatives that are underway that we've put in place that are working. But the, the marketplace is changing quickly. Tech skills are more in demand. I read an article the other day that said the leading cause of the, of the wage gap that exists is automation. And so we literally, in Ohio, I, I can say this, I can look in the camera, look at you and say, basically, if you want to get upskilled in job training, we have it for you free of charge in Ohio. We have programs to do that. We just need people to take advantage of them. Could you elaborate a bit more on TechCred? Because I think that's an interesting program. Yeah. Well, TechCred, you know, the idea behind TechCred when Governor DeWine and I conceived of it is that we wanted to upskill 10,000 people a year in Ohio who are already in the workforce. Because remember when we took office, we had a 4% unemployment rate, the economy was booming, and there weren't a lot of people looking for jobs. And that meant that we had to take the people who were already working and continue to elevate their skills to, to make them current, relevant, to give them more bargaining power in terms of, of you know, job security and wages. And so we created TechCred, which will pay up to $2,000 to upskill someone who works for you or that you want to hire. Meaning you pick the employee, you pick the provider from one of the, uh, one of the um, available tech-related credentials, and we have thousands of them that we'll pay for. And as soon as the employee completes 
the program and earns the credential, then we reimburse you up to $2,000. What's happening is that the demand is higher than we expected. We blew past that 10,000 early goal. Um, the one thing I love about the program that's different about a lot, than a lot of government programs, we don't pay a penny until a credential is earned, meaning we're not paying for, for enrollment, we're paying for completion, uh, which is a great deal for the taxpayers of the state and also is more likely that the employer will do a better job of picking an employee who is likely to finish. Um, and it's also leveraging a lot of private sector dollars in addition to the $2,000 that we spend uh, for them to, to upskill people. We're talking about credentials that take a year or less. In many cases, they can be done in weeks or months. This program is very popular. We have a sister program called IMAP, the Individual Micro Credential Program for people that are not affiliated with an employer so that they can go pursue the same types of, tech, types of technical skills. But the bottom line is that on ohiomeansjobs.com right now, there are over 100,000 jobs that pay $50,000 a year or more. Because I often hear people say, well, the reason that you can't fill the jobs is because they don't pay enough. Well, we have plenty of jobs out there that pay enough. Uh, but maybe you don't have the right kind of skills. We'll help you earn them. And I believe that this is the future of work and training. Helping people earn credentials. A lot of times they come with college credits. Uh, they come with a career at the end of them. Uh, and then you constantly upskill yourself. You're earning while you learn. Uh, and, and that benefits you, benefits your employer. Doesn't, it's not you going off for two years or four years. And earning a degree and not knowing whether or not there's a job at the end of it, this is this is a like climbing the stairs to the top of the mountain. I believe it, it's the future of how we work and train people. This is The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. More of our conversation in just a moment. But first, a word from our partner, Medical Mutual. How, how do we get more people, though? I mean, we're all told you must go to college, you have to get a degree, and no one would say that's a bad idea, but not everyone does need to do that. How do we convince people to say, perhaps college is not something you need, there are other jobs in the state that you could take that would be great for you? Well, I, I'm trying to discourage the conversation as an either-or, frankly, because, because you can go to your career center when you're in high school and major or, or, or focus on a career credential in manufacturing, uh, in technology, in something having to do with ag or, or automotive, and college, and college credits come with those credentials in many cases because they're aligning them with our two-year schools. Uh, a lot of, you know, Tri-C in, you know, you can, you can go to high school and take classes at Tri-C. There are many high school students who are going to career centers earning college credentials and graduating both with an associate's degree and a career credential that leads right to a job. And so I want people to think of them as the same thing, career credentials, college, and if you, and you can go to work right after high school, but if you don't want to do that, then you uh, can continue on to college if you want, but you have that choice. It's key. Look, we all want more choices, right? You can have the career and college path. You don't have to pick uh, one or the other. That's what we're. Uh, that's how I'm trying to explain it to people. And you can get on and get off the the highway, you know, meaning that you're on a career and you get off for a while to take a few co courses. Then you get back on. You go back to your career. Same thing with education. And in the end, over time, it can add up to free college, an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree. Depends on what you want. 
but you know at every step that the credential you're earning is going to lead to more pay, more job security, all of those kinds of things. I think that's the future for a lot of folks, particularly if money is an issue, which it is for most people, right? Money is an issue. You don't want to go into debt. These are debt-free ways to get career and college to go together. Same thing goes with tech credit and IMAP. Many of those programs will qualify for college credits because they're through a local um, community college. During the pandemic, Ohio's unemployment system was really slammed with a lot of claims. And it seemed in some respects that some of the computer systems just weren't up to date, ready to handle as much volume as they do. What kind of things are being done so that we can be ready for that if we have something like this another time? Hopefully not a pandemic, but something that, that shows that these computer systems are going to be up and ready to really respond to what the, the people in the state need. Well, I'll tell you the difference, the difference between having being on the right kind of platform and the wrong kind of platform was demonstrated in the pandemic. The Ohio Department of Health was one of our early adopters to the Innovate Ohio platform. And so that we were cloud-based with them. We had, we had the ability to adapt our, our, health, our health department system very quickly. And so that's when you saw the coronavirus.ohio.gov page. It was completely updated. It was giving out information. We were able to onload and offload things for, through that website. It worked very well. On the other hand, the Department of Job and Family Service and then Employment Comp System was not on that platform. And you see what happened. It was on an old mainframe system. Um, and remember, you know, at the time, if you recall, when the unemployment rate was 4% prior to the pandemic, there were very few people employed there and the system, the system was not under much strain because we had low unemployment. But then when it hit record amounts, it wasn't ready. Uh, the Kasich administration prior to us getting here, went out for bid on a new system. And that system will be done sometime this year, I believe. Maybe it's late this year, but it, it took, it, it wasn't in time. Um, and so that pro, that system is, is in the process of being upgraded. Um, but but uh, the mistake there was, was not leaning on um, the private sector soon enough, um, frankly, to get some of the bolt-on solutions there we 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 actually um, we I, this was a this was a daily process for me. I pushed the Department of Job and Family Services on a almost a daily basis to get this done. And and if you recall, I'm gonna, I'm I'm, gonna, I'm giving you more information than you probably want here, but we had to adopt a pandemic unemployment assistance program because we had the traditional unemployment, which was which was slow and clunky but managed. Okay, and then we had to adopt this pandemic unemployment assistance program which we had no system. I mean, it's great. I always say this to legislators. It's great when you write a law and say that we should do something because I was one of those legislators at one time too. But if you don't have a system to implement it, you got to build it. And when the federal government created pandemic unemployment assistance program, there was no system to, 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 uh, to plug it into. So we had to have Deloitte built. Deloitte built the Ohio system along with us and I think seven other states that had a similar system. Uh, and it was in line with the federal standards, but the federal standards were lax because in the desperation to get the money out quickly, they put standards in that would, would make it easier to get the money out, but it also allowed fraud to occur, meaning that allowed the, the mostly foreign actors, China, Russia, Nigeria, to um, buy information off the dark web on individuals, including on myself, on the governor, we got false claims filed in our in our cases, and then they'd file false claims, send them to a, a bank account, cash the checks, close the account, 
you couldn't follow you couldn't follow it quickly enough. But we eventually hooked up with with uh, LexisNexis and some other who is an Ohio headquartered company, um, and they put on some bolt on solutions that help weed out all of the false claims at the beginning, which allowed us to get the the actual claims done sooner. But the problem was is that ODJFS did not did not act as quickly as they should have on that. Um, with some of these bolt-on solutions on an on an archaic computer system, and it and it just um, it, unfortunately, uh, and we're not unique. Ohio is one of the many many states that if all the states experienced this, but it was a it was a uh, an ill-conceived program on old technology that was exploited by criminals, and unfortunately, uh, we're all going to pay for it. But in Ohio. We're, we're upgrading that. We're upgrading our entire system. And once we get it to be cloud-based, these problems won't exist like they, they did this time around. Lieutenant Governor John Husted joins us for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast presented with the support of Medical Mutual. I'm Dan Paletta. You mentioned the Innovate Ohio initiative, Lieutenant Governor, and that's a key component is trying to retain and attract companies to do business here. Recently, we had the solar panel maker for solar and the exercise equipment maker Peloton say they're going to build plants in Toledo. How did Ohio attract those businesses here? How, how were we able to get them to commit to Ohio? Well, look, Ohio right now is, if you look at where we are as a state, we've come a long way over the course of the last 15 years. And I say 15 years because that's when, maybe a little longer than that, because that was tort reform occurred, tax reform occurred. Uh, we became a much more business-friendly state um, and, and transitioned from an old-style manufacturing economy to more of an innovation economy, very diversified economy now. Um, and having other assets like Jobs Ohio allows us to be more aggressive in, in attacking these problems. So that, that was preparation meets opportunity. And here's where opportunity comes. Um, a lot of businesses are looking to reshore their domestic supply chain right now. COVID taught them that, let's face it, we can't rely on some of the foreign countries in distribution um, mechanisms or, or supply chains that were in place. And so, and you add that into political instability with China being all the more aggressive uh, in Asia right now with Taiwan and other places. And companies are saying, we're a little nervous about relying on Asia for our, for our domestic supply chain. And so they're reshoring these things. And Ohio is in the middle of a country. Uh, if you're trying to, we, we've got a great infrastructure. We've got a great workforce. We've got a good cost of living, a good cost of doing business. Uh, and so given that, we're getting a lot of initial attention, okay, that we wouldn't have gotten before. You combine that now with, you know, with all those things, you combine that with the opportunity and frankly, where they were only used to look at Southeast United States. Now they're looking at the Midwest a little bit more And Ohio just has can check the box on more things than a lot of these other places. And that's why I'm really focused on workforce more and more and more every day, because the number one question they ask me is, okay, you got everything else we need. How about a workforce? That's the, that's the factor. And so we've won some of these discussions. I can tell you we're in many, many more of these discussions right now, and I think that we can win some of them and that we're going to have some more announcements like this in the future uh, spread out throughout the state 
Uh, and um, but it's but the thing that we're going to be able to prove is that you know I'll tell you the two things one th- two things that mattered in the Peloton deal uh, could we supply the workforce which I've mentioned and two could could we get their construction project done so that they could open the doors on time meaning permitting you know cutting cutting the bureaucracy having state and local government work together in an efficient manner to deliver these things on time and i personally met with them and reassured them that we could do that now we got to keep that promise to them which we will but but if we can look if we can show that we can deliver on these things it's just every time you show you can deliver it's a message to the next company that they can trust what you're telling them and we're going to deliver Back in January, the state, along with Cleveland's major health care and higher education institutions, announced the creation of the Cleveland Innovation District, which is over $500 million research and education partnership. The goal is to create some 20,000 jobs, billions of dollars of economic impact. How did that come about? It's, it's a, in a neighborhood that looks like it could use some help. And so how did the program come about? Well, it was our goal working with Jobs Ohio to, cre- to, to create some Carnegie Level 1 Innovation Districts, which requires a large commitment by the member institutions of of investment in research, investment in computer science degrees, and an investment in venture capital and new business starts and commercialization of intellectual property. And um, you know, you know, we our first innovation district was in Cincinnati. Uh, it was a hundred million dollar commitment from the state, but when we got to Cleveland. Um, we had a, went a little slower because it was hard to get all of the participants to work together. Because let's face it, Cleveland Clinic and UH a lot of times are competitors. Uh, Metro, you know, has sort of a different mission. We got all of them aligned with Cleveland State and Case, and but but understand there's a deliverable on their end uh, that they have to produce the talent, they have to commit the research dollars. But our, the state commitment to this one was much bigger. The Cleveland one is the biggest commitment, a $250 million commitment between Jobs Ohio and the state of Ohio for uh, the innovation district in Cleveland, which will focus on pathogen research. Ultimately, um, one of the things I was pushing them for was to get us into quantum computing. IBM is going to put their one of their, well, the first quantum computer outside of the IBM lab will be in Cleveland, which for those of you that don't understand, you know, quantum computing, it's got a lot of promise. I call it a time machine because it literally can do things in days, months, years that would have taken, you know, uh, years and decades to accomplish uh, under standard computing capacity. And, And we hope that this is going to be the Global Center for Pathogen Research, we hope that they're going to to supply the talent, create some spinoff effect, uh, and really attract capital from around the world. Which look many look I've been since I've been a public servant for twenty years. I've heard how great Cleveland is in healthcare, but I didn't see the spinoffs happening. I didn't see the the private the, the private economic growth occurring outside of those institutions. And so that's why I'm really pumped and excited about this one because I think that we can get that. Uh, with these great academic and, and uh, medical institutions that are involved with this innovation district. Many of the neighborhoods that surround the healthcare system in Northeast Ohio that are involved in this district are very impoverished. We saw the pandemic show healthcare disparities there, and we also saw it with the issue of the digital divide. And this is an issue you've talked about a lot. It's not just urban communities, it's also in rural communities. Ohio legislators have tried to ban municipal high-speed internet programs in the state, and you've obviously been 
expressed your displeasure with that. What's that all about? Why would they want to do that? Well, you know, it's hard for me to know why they would do it um, because we've been we've been trying to get them to act on <clears throat> the passage of legislation for you know two and a half years. We finally got them to pass House Bill Two, which created a grant program and the regulatory structure about how we could expand internet in Ohio. Uh, but they did, we needed money and we needed it to to get going, and because you need to have you need to have a public private partnership with this. Because remember, why are we doing this? We want everybody to participate in the economic recovery, and you can't participate in the modern economy, education, or healthcare system without access to broadband. We have a million people in Ohio, approximately, that don't have it or can't afford it, and we needed these. We needed a low-cost, high-speed internet solution. We've piloted them in rural Ohio. We piloted one in East Cleveland. We know they worked, and then all of a sudden, we had all that momentum going, and then the Ohio Senate said, "No money," and then we're going to put poison pill language in there that uh, will prohibit private-public partnerships. Um, I can't for the life of me figure out why in the world somebody thought that was a good idea, but I believe that we're having success at changing hearts and minds on this, that we will get the money, that we will get the poison pill language removed in the conference committee process, and the momentum will be back, and we'll be trying to restore those opportunities for people in urban and in rural Ohio. So I'm sure you're glad it's over, but does a part of you miss doing wine with DeWine at two o'clock every day that we were through that we did, you and the governor did for so long? Uh, there is no part of me that misses doing those news conferences every day because um, first first of all, that means that, that the pandemic, we got through it. Um, and I believe that Ohio got through it as well as any state in the nation in terms of finding the balance of protecting lives and livelihoods. And, and we're emerging strong from it. Uh, but, you know, every day we would do one of those news conferences, you know, we're, uh, we spent a lot of time on it. We spent a lot of time in preparation to make sure we had all of our facts, that we understood what was going on, that we, we were informing and educating Ohioans and kind of giving them a feel for where we were and what was coming. And the amount of time that you put into those was, was a lot. Um, and the governor put more, I, mean, I put a lot of time in him. He had to put more time into them. Uh, and, and that took us away from doing the other things that we also know are important. And so now that I don't have to do two o'clock news conferences every day, I'm focused on these issues that we've been talking about a lot more on, on workforce and economic development and innovation, which are my passions. And, uh, I think that, I think that they are, um, that having that a focus on these things will pay dividends in terms of improving the quality of life for Ohio long into the future. But the good news is, is that some of the innovation that we're working on, like I mentioned, the innovation district in Cleveland that we talked about, that that is going to be a global center for pathogen research, which will help us in case there's another uh, uh, pathogen uh, virus related problem that we have to deal with. And we'll have the solution hopefully brewing right here in Ohio. And hopefully we'll never have to deal with that again. But but uh, a lot of lessons learned. The pandemic, um, in many ways, created opportunities in innovation. It's creating opportunities and reshoring as people and companies around the globe say, hey, we got to be more domestic focused. And, and we're really, I'm, I'm excited to get back focused on those kinds of issues. Lieutenant Governor John Houston, thanks so much for joining us today. Let's hope for a summer that's normal and fun. Thanks for being with us today. Great to be with you. Lieutenant Governor John Husted joined us for the Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast presented with the support of Medical Mutual. For our producer, Cody Smith, I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.